You want to supercharge your success? The biggest thing you have to get a hold of is your mental mindset. Because guess what? If it's not working for you, it can definitely work against you. So all that and more in today's Money Guy Show. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. What you guys don't realize is that was the fourth take. (laughs) In the first three takes... They had a lot more going on, so we decided we better keep it simple. <laughs> that's right. I'm not going to use the word smart <laughs> because um, it, we'll keep keep it simple. But that's right. What we're going to be talking about today is understanding your money mindset because, guys, there is nothing more powerful to determining where you're going in the future and your success, your happiness with your life, your happiness with your relationships, then what is going on between those two ears of yours? If you want proof, Bo and I were talking about this when we were doing show prep today. How is it that this organ between our ears, that if it freaks you out, if it's not behaving, it can make you think you're having a heart attack yep. or that your body is not working if you start having anxiety attacks and other things. I mean, if you watch Survivor, if you watch, you know, other things where people are under stressful situations, I don't know why you chose a reality show as to be the <laughs> stressful situation, but the, you see people have panic attacks and it just shows what a powerful force that your brain really is in determining what you are, even physically, not just mentally, physically, it can impede your success. Yeah, I'm so intrigued by the human brain because, you know, even like the way that all of our nervous system and all of it ties in, there are parts of your brain that allow you to, uh, you know, feel things and smell things. And it's just, it's really remarkable to me how it works. And then I remember growing up, I always heard this statistic that we only use like 10% of our brain's capacity. So then I don't know if that's actually true or not. Some of us, I think, use a little bit less than that. But I think what's so incredible is that what we're going to talk about today is that you can actually, by recognizing what you have going on, you can do some really powerful stuff. And we're not talking about, like, David Blaine powerful stuff, like some really powerful things in terms of how you behave. Yeah, so in other words, we're going to be training, talking about training your brain, because, and it, and it ties back to the kind of the intro, Bo. I think the biggest hold back or detriment to most people out there is it's a self-inflicted wound. And because you just, you're not, you're, you're kind of your inner voice is working against you instead of being that reassuring um, energy source that really pushes you forward. And it's that you got, you got to get past that negative mental mindset because that's what's going to limit your opportunities and keep you from being the maximum version of yourself. So, um, you know, that's what we're going to be covering today. I wanted to kind of take a little time to talk about understanding the key concepts and mental tools that are going to help you reach those goals. Now, before I jump into these, these key concepts, Let's go ahead and tell everybody, this is the Money Guy Show. Go check us out, moneyguy.com. Big things going on, guys. We, um, starting January 1st, we're going to have a brand new website, not for the Money Guy Show, but for the, the actual anchor for this. So it makes it possible as our wealth management business. Cause remember, by day, we are fee only financial advisors and the new company is going to be Abound Wealth. I'm transitioning from Preston and Cleveland over to Abound. We have the first version of the website in hand as we speak. So we're going to be, um, you know, beating on that a little bit, finding, fine tuning it a little, to a little bit more, but we're going to want your input because the greatest thing 
in this accidental experiment that we did from the heart of an educator of helping people really restore order to their financial chaos, we started this as the hobby to help you guys make good financial decisions, is that we're now working with clients in over 33 states all across the country. And I just want you guys to know how appreciative we are, and that's why we're going to make sure that you're a stakeholder also in telling us, are we going in the right direction? But if you want to connect with the show, go to moneyguy.com. If you want to go... That they've, when you go to that website, it's going to have all of our show notes. If you just give us your email address, and we don't take advantage of you with that email address, it's primarily just for us to stay in contact with you. We don't sell it or do anything else crazy with it. But it's also going to let you connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, as well as get all of our archives for 11 years. That's right. We've been doing this all the way for, since January of 2006. So if you want to connect with us, make sure you go out to moneyguy.com and get registered. And um, if you want to take the relationship to the next level, we're always looking for new relationships relationships so go check that out too so did i miss anything there as i ran through it Bo? no i think i think that was perfect and, and again i'm so i'm so excited about today's episode because i think what's beautiful is the time of year it is right <sighs> we are sort of wrapping up uh this year preparing for next year and what better thing to do than think about okay how can i start looking at and thinking about things differently to make 2017 even better than 2016 and all the years prior so, Bo, jumping into this thing, learning to appreciate deferred gratification is the first really mental tool that I want people to understand. This is, you know, Bo, when we first started talking to high school students mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we, we got some education pieces from NEFE.org, which is the Association of Credit Unions and so forth. And I still remember one of the great, they, they give out free they, they used to. I shouldn't say that they do because who knows, 10 years has gone by. Right. But they used to have a high school education program on personal finance that they would share with people. And I loved that the first concept that they talked about in the beginning of that, that, that section for these high school students was the concept of deferred gratification. Because, guys, this is really the cornerstone, the foundation of what builds financial independence. And the mental training you need to do is if you can understand and grasp this concept, it completely will push you out to a, a different level of uh, among your peers. Because here's what what's so different about it is that you what, the whole concept is is you're going to take a resource or an asset from today and invest that for tomorrow or the future. And that and I understand in our consumption society that we live in. That seems counterintuitive because, I mean, you can't help but turn on the TV, listen to the radio, and everybody's trying to find ways to help you deploy your assets to buy things or to put your money here in a way that, hey, you ought to, maybe you ought to do this timeshare. Maybe you ought to go buy a bigger house. Maybe you should go buy a new car. You know, hey, we got Black Friday sales over here, so you can go get a big screen TV. I mean, these are all the things that are constantly pulling at our back pocket. So the concept that, no, I'm going to take a portion of this money put it over here with the thought that it's going to grow so I can build up that army of dollar bills where instead of me working with my back, hands, heads, and, you know, I'm going to now have this army that will work for me, um, That that's really where empires are built. Financial empires are built on the back of deferred gratification. You know, I think it's really interesting, Brian. Everyone, and we do this too, when they talk about deferred gratification, they always talk about the sacrifice piece of it, right? I got to give something up today so that I can have something tomorrow. Here's one thing I think that people don't think about. And I think, again, in terms of shifting your money mindset, if you can look at it this way, uh, I think it can be incredibly valuable. Brian, have you noticed that sometimes when you have a goal, 
or something you want. Maybe it is a car like a Tesla. Or maybe it's a <laughs> swimming pool. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's something that, that you desire, right? Um, and you have the ability throughout the course of life that maybe you want to go buy that thing now. But instead you say, you know what? No, I'm going to defer. I'm going to wait to reach that goal. I'm going to wait to have that thing. I'm going to do it in the future. Don't you feel like sometimes the anticipation building up to that and the waiting and the looking forward to and the having the goal out there, doesn't it almost make achieving that seem a little bit sweeter? Doesn't it almost, isn't it almost nice to, to divert gratification? It's not always a negative in terms of the thing, the sacrifice you're making now, but sometimes it really does make that thing or that goal you're working towards that much sweeter in the future. You're hitting on something we could do a completely different show on because I, you, you and I hang out too much. That's, that's what I'm realizing is because Guys, you recognize this is, this is something that's bigger than the show we're doing today is that, and this is why I think we are wired as negative as as human creatures are. We're wired to crave negativity and, or at least that's what we, we keep because of the fear that drives us. And that's why the nightly news is I think deep down we are actually wired to be very charitable, to be very giving, to realize, um, because I have found the more success I've had in life is that once you buy something, it loses its glimmer. It loses its shininess. It loses its excitement. And I had no idea you were going to go this way, Bo. So you've totally screwed this podcast <laughs> up, but we'll bring it back on track here in a minute. But it, it, there is something about that. So what I have found for myself is because, you know, when you own something, and let me give you a simple concept. Of something, and I've used this on podcasts in the past. Is that you hear a great song come on the radio that you just touches you emotionally, and you 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 just connect with it, and you love it. That you you kind of crave to hear it on the radio. You you know, you're hoping you get in the car, and that you're going to be on your drive to the bank or drive to work. That they're going to play that song that you're just craving to hear. Now that we can stream anything we want to, um, I find that now that I can listen to anything anytime I want to and essentially own it, it, it stuff wears out much sooner. You it's just don't, exciting, it, does, it's, yeah. it loses its excitement. And I hate that. And that's just a simple example. And maybe everybody's a little different, but it's the same way with goods. You know, you buy a new car, you mentioned the Tesla. Everybody knows that I want a Tesla. And truthfully, I could afford a Tesla, but I have not bought it just because I know from, from a fear perspective, I'm worried it would be like anything else that I've, I've really been excited why this, excited about this, a material purchase that I will buy it. And then six months later, it will be like everything else that I've bought and owned. And that's not what's brought me fulfillment or excitement. That's why really money doesn't buy you happiness. And we're going to talk about in a minute. While there's other parts that come from it, but I have learned, Bo, and it's exactly what you're talking about, is that the journey to researching, to getting the best deal on things, to, to making sure that I'm going on consumer reports, and I create kind of a a journey or an adventure into buying goods because the actual owning of the goods is not as fulfilling. And that's why I say that life is much bigger, and I don't... Thank you for taking us on that tangent. Hopefully it doesn't blow the whole thing up, but I think it is. It's a very valuable thing that can kind of be an Easter egg in this, this podcast episode. But it does tie in, I think, to deferred gratification, the fact that when we're all talking about building empires and trying to have financial success, I just want people to recognize that the sooner you start doing this stuff, 
the easier it is because there's multiple sides to it. The sooner you start with saving and building this army of dollar bills, the less you have to take out of your monthly paycheck to do it. Mm-hmm. Also, the younger you do it, you're building a mentality that is so healthy that this stuff gets easier. Yep. I mean, I have we have people who write us and I have prospects at context say, what type of budgeting are you doing? I'm like, budgeting? I'm like, I got a great golf swing. You know, and that's what good cash flow management is in my house. We don't have to, we have created a forced scarcity type environment, meaning we have automatic savings things that are kicking in. Our giving, our savings are automatic where the money just flows right out of the account. So we, we just don't feel like we have that much money. We have enough that we feel very comfortable and do things, but my house is, household is trained that we don't have to go watch and see how much we're putting in fast food or right. how much we're eating out. Because we have already trained the system to be that way. So if you can start young with deferred gratification, it helps you because you don't have to invest as much. It also helps you create that perfect financial golf swing where, mm-hmm. you know, you've just got muscle memory and it's just happening for you automatically. But this is the part that, remember, when I've shared the journey of why did I even get in this industry, when I was in my senior year of high school, I had an economics teacher who was also a retired military guy, wrestling coach, and he had told us if we could just save a, a few hundred dollars a month, we could be millionaires. And I was I was working at Hardee's as a crew leader at the time at the fa- drive-through. I was like two hundred dollars, you know, a hundred dollars. That doesn't. I could do that. I mean, that seems completely reasonable because I was always told money was something you couldn't be wealthy unless you were born into it. Right. No, wealth is a choice, guys, especially if you're a young person. Wealth is a choice because we share with high schoolers all the time that if you'll just save $200 a month, well, it could be college kids too, because mm-hmm. this, we did the math in your early twenties. If you just save $200 a month and then do that for 40 years. So by the time you're in your early sixties, you'll be a millionaire. Yep. Just off of $200 a month. You start that when you're 18 or 17, or if you've got kids at home that you're trying to teach concepts, like I'm trying to, Lord help me, I'm trying to help my 13-year-old daughter understand money management. <laughs> and I wish, I mean, think how easy it would be for her to have a million dollars by the time she's 60 if yeah. I could get her doing some of these same concepts. But that blows their mind. I mean, it really does. When we share that with high school kids, when we share that with college kids, that wealth is a choice, and if you'll just start deferring a little bit of your resources now, in the future, you're going to be a monster of having financial independence. And that's why I love the concept of deferred gratification. That's why it's number one on this list, too, because it really is the cornerstone or foundation. Number two, this next one, guys. This is not just a financial concept. This one is going to fix your marriage. <laughs> is you've got to reprogram that internal voice. So much of your life, I don't even know if you realize it, while you're in the shower, while you're driving home, you do have a voice in your head that's oh, yeah. talking to you at all moments of the day. And you just have to make sure that that guy or girl is calibrated to be a positive asset in your life. Because I can tell you in your, whether we're talking about your marriage, whether we're talking about your relationship with your coworkers, or whether we're just talking about your relationship with your money and how you grow your assets, is if you're looking at things glass half full, that's a good thing. If your, if your perspective is glass half empty, if that internal voice is very negative on where you are in life, on where you are in your career, it's going to bleed into your life and the results are going to show that you have negativity. And that's why I cannot stand the concept that so many people in our society have accepted of I can't. 
They just accept the current status quo right. because it's just easy. That's that's the easiest thing is because their mental voice is saying, I can't. So they just accept where they are, and that's the biggest obstacle to becoming great is that I can't mentality. And, you know, I had a quote. I used this quote when we were typing this up, Bo. One of my favorite people from ins- to, to grab inspiration from is Steve Jobs. Yep. And he. I love this quote. I actually get goosebumps and I can feel my hair growing on my arms every time I read this thing. So I'm just going to share it with you guys. Here's the quote from Steve Jobs. Quote, life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. Once you learn that, you'll never be the same. And I think that is a concept. Guys, if you will just understand, you could do it. I mean, I, I think back to college, Bo. I mean, we all have life events. Mm-hmm. Uh, my college roommate, who, who, by the way, still wildly successful. So I mean, this isn't like a woe is me story because I was trying to convince him why he should change from finance to accounting when we were both in college. The finance thing, I will say I was right on that. It did not work out for him. But right. he is wildly successful in the whole restaurant industry. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe if I'd have stayed on the path, I would be wildly successful in the restaurant industry with him because one of our other roommates is also well, his <laughs> business partner. But he didn't want to – you know, I was telling him, let's go from finance to accounting because we'll know we'll have a job in accounting because everybody gets a job with an accounting degree from UGA. And um, he just – he didn't want to do it. I think because we knew it was going to be harder. Yeah. And I remember my first few quarters, because that's right, I'm that old that we did quarters back then. We didn't do semesters in college, is that I remember being overwhelmed. I will tell you, accounting my first few quarters whooped me a little bit because I didn't have a lot of people in my major. Their parents were accountants. They had backgrounds in it. And here I was coming from South Atlanta, you know, not the, 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 the most success in my family, nobody in my family was a bunch of accountants. Right. And it whooped me a little bit, but I always kept this mental mindset. And this is, this is what brings it back on is that internal voice. Every time I walked into my first class of every quarter, I go, Brian, you know, you're just as smart as at least half these people in this mm-hmm. class. And they're not going to fire. I mean, they're not going to fail half the people. And guys, that is way I've done. I've taken that mentality. Through the rest of my life, when I took cooked my first job right out of college, they hired five of us at the same time. And I remember some of the people were accountants with me in my class at the public accounting firm I worked at, and they were what I call the front row sitters, meaning that I was making well, – maybe I shouldn't confess my grades on some of these classes because then it will scare some of you because <laughs> I promise I'm – we're very – It's okay. You don't do accounting anymore. It's but, fine. But anyway, <laughs> seriously, I call them front row sitters because these are the people I consider to be top of the class. Right. And I remember going, and I had to do the same mentality. I had to have that inner voice tell me, Brian, you know out of these five people that you're probably at least smarter than half. I mean, and it was a coping mechanism, but truthfully, it was a shaping of my inner voice that allowed me to be successful. And I think that that's the same thing you can do with if you can shape your brain and change your internal voice, your worldview, your perspective to find the good and the opportunities and life events it really is going to make your inner voice become an encouragement source of energy. And and here's the th- biggest thing that I've figured out is the more positive, the more energy you can create internally, it gets it becomes infectious. Mm-hmm. It's contagious. People will want to be around your energy source if they feel like you are confident enough that you can do it. They then want to be get a to become a part of what you're accomplishing. So that's why I can tell you if you that, that if you can reprogram that internal voice, it, it is just uh, uh, just 
insatiable amount of opportunity is going to be headed your way. Yep. And I think like most things, this is something that you have to practice at, right? Because, uh, Brian, I think, I think you're even the one who laid this wisdom on me, uh, is that some people are just naturally uh, more negative, right? Some people generally just naturally tend to look at things glass half full. And so what you kind of have taught me over the years of us being together is as something bad happens or as we enter into sort of a negative event, you always say, ask yourself, how can this be good? This bad thing, this negative situation, this unfortunate happening, how can I take this and learn from it, grow from it, be better? How can I make this negative thing a positive? And what you recognize is as you begin to intentionally do that, it becomes second nature. Yep. And then before you know it, you actually are a glass half full type of person, which is a really incredible thing. Yeah, it helps you. I mean, y'all know I started this company after my father passed away because it let me do some self-reflection. But I will tell you, you can take this to your relationship side with your spouse or your significant other, too. And the fact that, you know, I, I learned a long time ago that when they do stuff, I know I do stuff that drives my wife crazy. And I know she does things... But if you can train yourself to go, man, do I love this person? I am so blessed to have them in my life. Even when they're doing something that hits that pet peeve mark, if you have that second nature of looking for the positive glass half empty type side of the thing, it insulates you from that negativity building up into a caustic type thing that completely derails your life. And I see that all the time. And that's why I say it can be helpful in your relationship. It can be helpful in your work life. It can be helpful in your financial life retrain, reprogram that internal voice to be a positive influence in your life and the world, the sky is the limit on what the world can provide for you. So here's the last one I put out here for you, everybody, because I think this is an important concept as well on so many levels of your life. The last one is understanding the risk-reward relationship. And everybody's heard that. I mean, you hear risk-reward, risk-reward. You know, in, in investing terms, it's easy to say, okay, that just means the more risk, the more reward I expect to get on my investment. So that's why I'm going to go buy a whole portfolio full of penny stock. No, that's, that's, that's not good calculated risk. Right. I just, you know, it's just like if you go to a casino and you put all your money on black because you heard Wesley Snipes say that in a movie quote, <laughs> that's not actually taking, that's not a good risk reward understanding of the concept. I just, you just made a Wesley Snipes reference, right? Passenger 57. Okay, I just want to make sure that I heard now, that right. You're probably too No, 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 believe you, me. You I know Passenger 57. Oh, you know yeah. Passenger 57? Oh, yeah. Is that because it was on TBS? Yeah, of course it is. Okay. Of that's, course it is. <laughs> I don't know sidebar show today, guys. <laughs> Y'all are in for some extras. But um, here's the thing I want to talk to you about understanding risk, and especially with your life as well as with your financial life, is that I think people's default reaction is that they don't like to, to, to make, have change mm -hmm. because it saves them the fear of stepping out and doing something, you know, because the fear of change is strong in a lot of us. I mean, I don't like, I mean, that first day you go to a new job, is there anything worse? I mean, it really is tough. Or, I, I mean, I don't even like, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't like to go to brand new social events where you go to a new membership society or you go to a, a neighborhood party where you know you're only going to know your next door neighbor and the people across the street. I mean, that stuff is stressful. It's uncomfortable. I mean, because yeah. fear, fear is fear of change and putting yourself in uncertain situations definitely is not comfortable. So that, that's what, something people struggle with. It also, if you, if you just stay with where you are and don't take risk in your life, it helps you avoid confrontation because doing things differently can definitely create conflict. And that's what people, I think it's easy to, to default to doing nothing because it saves you that conflict. It saves you that fear of change. And there's also no fear or risk 
a failure or rejection. And Lord knows, if you followed around me in high school or college, I had to get clubbed over the head by my wife because, you know, fear and rejection were definitely something that I was trying to protect myself from. And I think that is why the average person defaults to just letting life happen to them. And and what saddens me about that, if you're just going to default on letting life come to you instead of you taking life, I get sad for what that means for humanity. Because there, I, 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 it goes back to that Steve Jobs quote where, you know, he talks about that everything around us is built by people no smarter than you. And then you realize, oh my goodness, because these people took the safe route, we're losing out on all the knowledge, all the discoveries, all the businesses, all the new products. It really does. I mean, I know that sounds a, a nerdy perspective on things, but I really do think that the average person does not challenge themselves to become the best version of themselves and to create the best success for not only them and their families, but also I think if you do things that are positive in your own little way, it does make the world a better place. It's that whole invisible hand that Adam Smith talked about in Wealth of Nations. Really an incredible thing. And I'm not just talking about financial. I think personally this can be beneficial too. And that's what leads you to personal fulfillment. You hear people all the time, Say a comment that money can't buy happiness. And I, we, we got on a whole topic sidebar, Bo, about that, that yep. money can't buy happiness. But what they don't tell you is that yes, money can't buy you happiness. However, going the road less traveled, and that's whether that's starting a business, whether that's starting a new job, going that road less traveled and taking that financial, that personal risk, that career risk can be very fulfilling. You know what breeds happiness? Fulfillment. Mm-hmm. If you're doing things, if you take a, 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 if you challenge yourself and you go that road less traveled, then you come out and you actually dust the, you know, dust off your shoulders and you, you brush yourself off and you go, I made it through it. And you know what? Because I took that risk, I'm actually in a better place than I was before. A wave of fulfillment hits you and you're like, I did what I was supposed to be doing. That I made the best version of myself by making that decision. And that's really what, if you can train your brain to understand that risk and reward relationship, it really does open things up for you. Now, I want to caution you on one thing, and this is kind of what I'd put when we close this out, is that, well, two things, really. First, we all have dreams. But does that dream exist if you don't put it down to paper? If you don't type it in on a word processor or take out a pen and paper and write it down, I don't think it's truly a goal, a life goal, a measurable goal until it's actually recorded. And here's why I challenge you to go out there and all these things I talked about with risk reward, when I talk about, you know, the, the deferred gratification, when I talk about the internal voice, guys, you have to go turn those dreams into actual goals by writing them down. And you, you say, well, okay, what does that do when I write it down? I don't, it's almost magical. It's an amazing thing that occurs. And I'm going to tell you in business, we've done this too, Bo. Mm -hmm. You've seen me, I go to conferences, I speak about this. I'm like, it's amazing when you will just put something down to paper, something in your psyche clicks. I don't know if you're thinking about why you're, maybe that part of your brain you said we're not using, maybe while we're sleeping internally, it's, it's grinding through some things and figuring it out. Because every time in my life where I've taken a dream and then tried to turn it into an actual goal by recording, measuring and writing it and, and, and making sure it all is a plan, magical things have happened. Yep. I mean, Bo, we, when we go to conferences, the example I always give, I always tell advisors who do this for a living, like, go put your clients in an A, B, C list. You know, put your best clients, your mid, your mid clients, you know, and, and then your aspirational clients that you're investing in and hoping they grow and write down what you have. 
Now I want you to write down on a goal sheet where you want your clients to be. How many A clients do you have? How many B clients do you have? How many C aspirational clients do you have? And now, do the do they match up? And what I'm always shocked by when we started doing this and measuring and recording, Bo, what was it, year one, year two, year three? Every year we checked it after we actually measured, recorded, and started tracking. Started moving towards our goal. And I don't know that we did a lot differently. It was something just in the psyche that once it was recorded, it made it so, and it actually started working. And that's why I tell you, if your goal is to have $2 million, $3 million, write it down, create a plan, and I think you'll be amazed at how a year, two years, three years, four years, you're going to see that you're now on a march towards that goal, all because you recorded it. Yep. So please, please take that step and actually turn that dream into a goal by physically recording it. And I think it will help you out. The other thing, and I kind of alluded to this already, the second step to helping you implement all this stuff that I've just shared with you is that, yes, I want you to take a risk. Yes, I want you to retrain your brain. Yes, I want you to defer gratification. But before you do anything that's going to put you out there on a ledge of risk, make sure you measure twice with a plan. Because if you're, especially if you're starting a company, if you're doing something that's dramatic, that's materially changing your life, Make sure you measure twice Mm -hmm. with a great effective plan and then you cut once with a really clean execution of um, rolling this thing out to give it the best opportunity of success. I mean, those are the things, if you can do that, I think that there is no limit to what you can accomplish. And I know I, I love doing analytical shows, but I also love these shows that hopefully inspire you to really try to become the best version of yourself because... There is, I, I tell you, I think that there is, we are second to none on the analytics, the financial planning that we can do for clients. But I'll straight up tell you, we set ourselves up for failure on these great financial plans we put together for clients. If we do not have complete buy-in or, or purpose-driven mentality of our clients that this is, hey, I'm in on this thing. I'm sold. We're going to do this. We're going to make this and implement it. We're going to make it happen. That's the way your life is too, guys. You can have the best plan in the world, but if the mind doesn't line up, if the mind doesn't like what it sees, if your brain is not connecting on all levels, it ain't going to happen. So if you can just line up your goals, line up your mentality, and make sure the brain's working, there's no limit to where you can go in this life. So, And I will tell you, you guys are perfect proof of it. I could not thank you enough for the challenges of this podcast. You know, we started as a hobby, but you've challenged me. You send me emails, you comment, you give us show topics. You, I'm constantly challenging myself to make sure we're trying to create the best content, that we're coming up with things that not only make us go out there and expand our skill set, Bo, yep. Yep. but also just to make sure that it's relevant information for our listeners. So I, I encourage you, reach out to us. I'm Brian at MoneyGuy.com. If you want to know my email address, is Brian at MoneyGuy.com. My co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen, is Bo at MoneyGuy.com. Feel free to check us out at MoneyGuy.com. And then please share with us. If anything you ever come up with of the topic that you think we would kill to cover, I mean, we want you to just have that input. And then if you're the type of person that you like what you hear and you say, God, these guys, the mentality, I got. A, I had a call a week and a half ago and he, he He's, it was great. He's a, he's a out there in Hollywood, successful guy. He was talking about some of his client lists, which was just awesome. I didn't even get to gush on how I thought, how cool I thought his client list was. Um, and he said something that I thought was pretty powerful that I thought was worth repeating on the show today. 
He says, you know what? He says, the reason I'm even reaching out to you today is he goes, because I started thinking about, you know, these guys, they do a podcast. That probably takes a lot of their time. But he goes, wait a minute. These guys, because they do that podcast, probably have knowledge in a lot more areas than the typical financial advisor has. So if they know all of that about a bunch of different things, they're probably going to be perfect for talking about my needs, you know, because we, we got into all kind of life things, sure, whether, yeah. you know, and everybody's different. I know we have special needs people because I have those, those things in my life with mm-hmm. having children with special needs. We have estate planning, you have retirement. We all have different things, education planning. And I can tell you, I do think this podcast for all of our associates, it's not just me and you, Bo. This yep. is a team effort with all of our teammates where we're talking about Gabe. We're talking about Carter, Betsy. I mean, everybody, we are sharpening the steel by doing the research. And I just appreciated that, that, that listener sharing that because that's a perspective that you don't realize you're doing it, but it's true. I will tell you, I think I'm a better financial advisor because of the podcast. And I want you guys to know, thank you, thank you, thank you. All the iTunes ratings and everything else. You're always part of the family. And the money guy show has just been the most incredible thing. And, um, I just can't wait to do another show in two weeks, especially as we enter the sentimental holiday period. Y'all know you'll just have to deal with me. I'll probably be more sentimental like I always am during this time of year because it really is awesome to, to be able to share, to also be able to enjoy time with family. And I just hope that you and yours make the most of it. And we're here if you need us. I'm your host, Brian Preston. Check us out at moneyguy.com. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. (laughs) 